Okay, and welcome back to Talking Knicks. I'm Tom Piccolo coming to you for the first time in in several weeks. Um, it's been a while. We took a little holiday vacation uh, that stretched out a bit further than we expected, but we're back. And really, a ton has happened in Knicks land. So we're gonna do some some big picture talk today. Try and get a pulse on this what's been a real up and down season. So let's do it. Let's talk Knicks. All right, and joining me today, my dear friend Kenny Poon. Kenny, how's it going? Tom, Tom, it's going well. Uh, just watching some football today, catching up on Nick's stats here with you, looking over everything, and it looks uh, looks interesting. Looks interesting. How are things going over there? All good here. I, I should say we are recording this on Sunday, January 29th. It is it's seven forty five. This is like mid. I mean, big NFL football game here. We got the the Bengals Chiefs happening as we speak. Um, so quite a commitment to to make a uh, you know a commitment back to the podcast during this crucial moment in sports. But you know we're we're here. We're here, Kenny. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie to you. It is currently on, and like I have visual on the game while I'm here doing this podcast. So, so you're distracted. You're just giving a half effort. I- I'm not distracted at all. What I'm saying is to any of the listeners is like right now, the score is up. They just took the score off the scoreboard, but it's like something to three. There it is. 13 to three. So if you find out the score before me, don't tell me like, (laughs) so you're going to get this message tomorrow. So I guess. It sounds unlikely that they would spoil it for you. Yeah. Don't, don't spoil the ending for me (laughs) tomorrow. Well, man, I mean, since the last time we recorded, a lot has happened. Like I mentioned, um, one of those things was your birthday, by the way. Happy birthday. Thanks. Thanks. Um, it's been a little while, but thanks. Yeah. You and I and Greg, another co-host, we went to a Knicks game for your birthday. And that I think, is accurate. I think we went to the worst game of the season. Do you think that's accurate? Uh, I don't know. There have been some very bad games. Um, so for context, we went to the the home game, obviously, against the Washington Wizards, where they just came out completely flat. And um, we were a little late getting to our seats. I mean, honestly, not that late, just a few minutes. And the Knicks were already down by like 15 points. It was uh, a little disheartening. Yeah. And so the Knicks actually, during the time that we were there, once we reached our seats, I think they actually won those minutes but they had lost by 15 prior to us getting there so like from my perspective i don't think it was the worst game of the year i think uh still that that mavericks game holds a special spot on that list um but the the big thing and i I told you guys this after that game is like i don't know the last time that i went to a knicks game that they won and uh famously within my family my sister dear lovely person um one year bought me my father and my brother's as well as me, I guess I said that at the top, but uh, tickets to a Knicks game, and it was uh, Knicks versus the Dallas Mavericks back when Dirk was playing, and it ended up, I believe, being like the worst loss in Knicks history. They lost by like 50 points, and uh, so that became a joke within my family. My sister never got us a Christmas present again after that, and uh, for the best, it's for the best, know, man. We got to yeah, stop you from going to Knicks games, I guess. Yeah, um, I think that's that's the big downfall of this team is whenever I go, it, it doesn't work out. Well, listen, I mean, beyond that Wizards loss, there's been a lot going on. Um, 
and, and we're not going to get into the weeds because we, we've taken such a long break that I feel like we should just kind of talk high level. But in the last 10, so in the last 10 games, the Knicks are five and five. Uh, this past week in particular, there were there were two, I'd say the two of the best wins of the season. Um, the the win at home against the Cleveland Cavaliers and then the win on the road against the Boston Celtics in overtime. Um, you know, that both of them were were close and, and hard fought games. And I mean the Celtics one in particular would kind of got the blood pressure up a little bit, but those were awesome wins. And then most recently they took a tough L um in Brooklyn to the Nets. Uh, but like I said, we're not going to go too in-depth on those games. We kind of want to just do a little pulse check. And, you know, Kenny, as we are recording this, the Knicks are currently 27 and 24. They are seventh in the East, and that, that puts them one game behind the Heat for sixth and one and a half games ahead of the Hawks. Um, so, I mean, just high level before we – I know we're going to want to get into our, our preseason predictions and just do a little check-in check to see – how we're feeling on those preseason predictions. But before we do, how are you feeling overall on the team right now? And Tom, we've talked about this a lot. And I think like us in particular, I think um, we are pretty level-headed going throughout the season. Uh, and I know that uh, we spend a lot of time on Twitter and Twitter is very hot or cold. Uh, but I think the Knicks are the team that we expected them to be. I think, you know, us as a pod pretty much predicted them to be hovering around 500 all season. And I think that is what they have done. And that is what I think they'll continue to do. Uh, the one thing um, that, that, you know, we've talked about a little bit that's been well-documented on you know Twitter and everything is that they just wrapped up, you know, one of their easiest stretches of the season. And from here on out, it's not that easy. Uh, I think they're ranked as the second hardest strength of schedule, according to Tankathon based on uh, opponents winning percentage right now of the remaining schedule. Um, so it's there's a lot of tough games coming up, but you know I think that started with uh, the game against the Cavaliers, and then they won that game. They won the Boston game, so they're showing that they're capable of beating some of these good teams. And so like I expect them to continue to do that, but I also expect them to continue to lose a game here and there and win a game here and there. And you know it's it's a 500 team, and they're they're playing like that. Yeah, and so like I said, they're currently three games above 500. But to your point, the schedule is about to get tougher, and so for them to hover right around that 500 level, I think is to be expected. Um, one thing I should note is is the last five games have been played without Mitchell Robinson, who's really his importance to the team has really come to the forefront here. I mean, before his injury, I would have guessed it would have been especially catastrophic because Isaiah Hartenstein was really struggling to start this season. I will say he's filled in pretty admirably in Mitch's absence. Um, just as the backup center, Jericho Sims has taken on the starting center duties and, you know, in certain matchups, Sims is is quite good and other ones he kind of struggles, but um, Hartenstein has impressed me and, and like really looked like a good backup center. Again, the guy we thought we were going to get when we brought him back. So, you know, that that's encouraging. If we get Mitch back and have a decent backup center, like in, in Hardenstein, then I think that that would be pretty encouraging. Then again, Sims might get those minutes, but my, that's all to say, you know, Mitch coming back is going to make this team even better. And I think there's a chance that they end up a couple games over 500. Um, you know, that's that, I guess that would be the hope before the season when we were making our predictions on like regular season wins and things like that. I, I think the biggest surprise for me has been Julius Randall's play. I, I did not, expect Randall to be nearly as good 
as he's been. I expected him to be better than last year, but the um, you know the way he's been playing, the caliber of player he's been, he I in my opinion he deserves an All Star nod. I will, I'm sure we'll talk more about that, um, you know, when we play off our, our preseason predictions. But you know the the fact that Julius Randle has been as good as he has been, and the Knicks are still kind of hovering around a 500 team. Does does that surprise you a little? Uh, it it I don't know. It's tough to say because you know for, from the beginning of the season there were no stretches where everyone was playing well. I think we're starting to hit a point where people are starting to play a little bit better. But then you know I think you, know, you look at Quentin Grimes and he's he's struggled a little bit. But like from the beginning of the season. RJ wasn't playing well. And like Randall at the beginning of the season wasn't playing particularly well. I think he's picked it up a lot lately. I think, you know, it really hit a new gear for him when Brunson went down with an injury. Um, I think Brunson has been the most consistent, but you know, there's a, there's been a few games lately where he hasn't been, you know, the, the player that he, what he's been all season. So it's just a matter of getting everyone to kind of headed in the right direction. I think it's a great um, point. Yeah. Yeah. And quickly too, I'll throw him in there too, to, to start the season. He couldn't shoot for anything. And, you know, lately he's been one of our best, most consistent players. So that that's a great point. You know, we didn't expect RJ to struggle as much as he did early on. And that kind of balanced out some of those improvements we saw from Randall. Um, no, totally fair. And, you know, when you have a team that's really as, as mediocre to uh, you know, mediocre actually sounds like I'm putting this team down. I think it's a pretty good team. It's like a, not not very good, not, not great. It's a it's a pretty good team, and when you have a pretty good team like this, they don't play pretty good every night. That's just not how it works. It's a, being part of being a pretty good team is a lack of consistency. So some nights they're very good, other nights they're quite bad, and I think they kind of level out at that very at that you know pretty good mediocre solid team that we expected them to be, um, and that that might not be the most like hot takey, you know, we're not going to clip that right for a, a, an Instagram reel, but <laughs> I think that's kind of where we've been. Yeah. And that's, that's absolutely the case. And like, that is what everyone expected going into the season. So like it's, and it, it kind of does explain all of the hot and cold, uh, you know, takes on Twitter in terms of they win a few games. Everyone's like talking about, you know, how good this team is. And then they lose a few games and everyone's, calling for Tibbs to get fired. And, you know, it, it, it's exactly what you said. It's this team is like in the middle enough that when they play well, you know, they have some good players that are very talented, but like they're capable of going cold and having some very bad showing. So uh, I hadn't thought about that, but I think that's a very valid point. And it really does explain a lot of the, the Knicks discourse on, on places like Twitter, because there are times when they look phenomenal and there are times when they look absolutely awful. And, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. And I think while we're griping about, I mean, there's plenty to gripe about for on, on Nick's Twitter, but, you know, I have seen some complaints recently about some of the younger guys, um, you know, particularly Deuce McBride who has struggled greatly on the offensive end. And he even had a couple uh, tough matchups defensively for him and, and Quentin Grimes specifically, he's, um, in that Boston game, he had a couple opportunities to win the game in regulation. Um, he struggled to hit some big shots against Brooklyn too. I've seen a lot of criticism of some of these younger guys. And it's like, 
man, we, 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 as fans were begging the coach to like play the kids and give these guys opportunities over your Fournier's over your Derek roses. But the expectation, the expectation is that those guys are going to have ups and downs. Like because Quentin Grimes is a second year player deuce. I, is he also, I believe he's also a second year player and he was a second round draft pick. Like these guys are not going to be solid all the time. They are going to be as inconsistent as the Knicks team is, right? Like that's just kind of the the reality of how it's going to be. So when when I see criticisms of of our very young guys, it it kind of does drive me crazy. Those two in particular jumped out to me, but you know that's not to say they don't deserve criticism. Like you you can point to areas specifically where Deuce needs to get better, but at the same time, I think we've seen some of that. Like he's been a little more when. You, during games when he's been more aggressive off the dribble, good things have happened. Um, so I don't know. It's this sort of thing. Progress isn't linear. Like I think these guys are getting better. Um, Grimes is getting really valuable reps defending other teams, best players like your Kyrie Irvings, like your Donovan Mitchells. That's awesome for his development. So even though he struggles with some of those, I think he, he was tasked with guarding Trey young um, against Atlanta too. That's a tough matchup to ask of, of Quentin Grimes. Uh, I feel like the more natural matchup would have been DeJounte Murray, but then then who do you put on Trey is, is the issue. So based on personnel, Quentin Grimes is being asked to do a lot on the defensive end. And if his offense has suffered a little bit, that doesn't that doesn't bother me one iota. Yeah. And my whole my whole thing is like I said, we've been very, I think, level-headed about it. I, mean, I don't know what people expect from the Knicks. Like I they're not gonna win the championships. This year, in my opinion, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that is a very fairly reasonable take. Um, and the goal for this team is to get better over time. Like, I don't think it's a this year thing. I think, you know, they just locked up RJ for a long time. They locked up Jalen Brunson for a long time. They have um, Julius Randle for a few more years. And they have these young guys that they want to develop and either use them on this team or be able to trade them for an all-star or something like that. Like, that is how this team was built. They weren't built to contend for a championship right now. So, you know, I, I'm with you. Like there's, I have, I get frustrated when people like are want to pull the plug on playing, you know, Deuce McBride minutes, like, cause what, what, what is the next choice? Like people want to talk about maybe giving Cam Reddish some minutes or something like that. Um, Cam that is, ship has sailed um, though, huh? Yeah. But I'm saying like Cam's on the last year of his deal. So like the best case scenario for Cam is like, he shows something in the Knicks, try to resign him as a restricted free agent. And then like, is that something that they really want to do? Like, I, I don't know. Um, Derek Rose, are they going to give him minutes? Evan Fournier, are they going to give him minutes? Like what else yes. would you want them to do more than you want them? You'd like to see, you know, Deuce McBride take his lumps and, and become a better player. I don't yeah, know. And I think that there's some calling for some, uh, some deadline trade deadline moves to be made, but we, we can tackle that either at the end or on a different podcast. I think, we're at a good place to get into our little uh, episode gimmick here, which is checking in on our preseason predictions. Um, ideally, you'd probably do this like halfway through the season or maybe two thirds. We're, we're currently 62% of the way through the year. As good a time as any to check in on what we thought going into this. Why not? Um, and, you know, we will reshare our, this kind of list and our, our preseason predictions on our Instagram. So you can follow us there at Talking Knicks. But we'll just go through these in order. They're not in any particular order here, but we'll start with the first one. And that was RJ Barrett points per game. We set the preseason line at 20.5 
points per game. Uh, RJ is currently averaging 20.3, just a tick under the line. And that's a pretty good line we set, Kenny. That's that's not so bad. <laughs> I think you get the credit for that. I don't think I set the lines. I I'm glad you, you said it, and I do. Yeah. Um, no, appreciate that. But um, just going through it, I took the over. I expected RJ to score more than 20 and a half points per game. Um, and I, I think I'm feeling pretty good about that, just based on what we were saying before, just how much he struggled um, to start the season. And frankly, he struggled on both sides of the ball. It was it was just as much on defense, if not more, as his offense. And we've started to see a lot of things pick up. We talked earlier in the season about you know Quentin Grimes' insertion into the starting lineup meant that RJ no longer had to guard the opposing team's best wing or perimeter player. That was huge for him. You know, the fact that he had an easier that RJ had an easier defensive assignment allowed him to focus a little bit more on offense, maybe, you know, have more legs on the offensive end. He's been playing a lot better recently. He's been finishing better. His floaters have been he's been nailing his floaters. His three point ball has been looking pretty good. Is everything perfect? No, he still has the maddening turnovers, some of the decision making, the tunnel vision. That's all still there. But um, RJ's made some serious progress, and I think it's. I'm still happy with the over there on the 20 and a half points. Yeah. And, and I took the under, I think uh, you, Greg and Jake took the over. I took the under with BBD. And I think my reasoning for that was the addition of Jalen Brunson, who I thought was going to take on some of that scoring load, which he has. And RJ Barrett is at 20.3 as the third leading scorer for the Knicks, which is, you know, having three 20 point scores is something that you don't see all that often, but it's uh, it's good for the Knicks. And I agree with you, um, I think, just based off of how slowly R.J. Barrett started and how much he's picked it up, I think there's a good likelihood that he gets that over the 20.5 uh, mark. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cash out my bet at this point, um, but, like, I think it's a, it's a more likely than not situation that R.J. ends up above that 20 and a half. Yeah, totally agree. Um, the next category here we had was – NBA All-Stars this season, we set the line at 0.5. So did we think the Knicks would have one or more All-Stars or zero All-Stars? I took the under. I thought that the Knicks were going to have zero All-Stars this year. I didn't think that they were going to be, you know, quite good enough or have a, have like the star power to earn one All-Star. And we, we looked, we preseason, we went and looked at like all the, the very good players in the East. Um, Donovan Mitchell and DeJounte Murray moving east uh, and how that might affect everything, you know, guys being healthy. And I I took the under. I I think that's still a possibility, though. If I were to make that bet now, I would take the over. I, I'm confident that the Knicks will get one between Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. I, I think if I had to place money on it, it would be Julius Randle. Um, there's a couple reasons. I mean, there's some of that like recency bias where I think he's been particularly good lately. Um, if we're just looking at the last call it 10 games, Julius Randall's averaging pulling it up here. And you know, he and Jalen Brunson are averaging about the same, actually about 26 points per game, um, on, on similar shooting too. So it's not like I can really point to, to straight, scoring production as the reason but there was that nationally televised game against boston that uh julius played really well 
Um, and, and he's had some louder moments. And to me, like just being six, nine and 250 pounds and just that overwhelming, that powerful, like it's still basketball still for tall guys. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, like Jalen Brunson is incredibly skilled. He has been so good. He's been even better than we expected. And we, we had high hopes for him too. Um, Brunson deserves all the all-star consideration. It's just, you know, you put some, some size on him, you put some length on him and he, and he does, he's had some games where he struggled with that. Um, you throw a, a hard trap at him and he's, he's going to have a hard time getting, a, you know, throwing a nice pass over the outstretched arms of some, some bigs and Julius Randall, just, he can impose his will physically in a way that Jalen Brunson can't. And so I, I just think overall, you're looking at the, the rebounds per game are pretty much all. I mean, the last 10 games is averaging 14 boards a game. Same as Brunson, five assists per game um, on twice the turnovers. But still, I think in my head is saying that if the Knicks get one all-star, it will be Julius Randle. Kenny, what are you thinking for, for all-star talk? It's funny because uh, you and I have talked about this before off of the podcast and like relatively recently we were talking about who was the more deserving all-star and I think we both said Jalen Brunson um but right now I am thinking the more likely of the two I agree is Julius Randle um my reasoning is a little different I think you know there is a lot of recency bias and I think there is a lot of there has been a lot more talk about um Julius Randle lately uh but I think for me it's just like there are so many talented guards in the east that and that is what we talked about before the season is like, there's just so many good players in the East. It's going to be hard to crack that lineup. Um, I think Julius Randall has an easier path, um, but I think it's a toss up. And, you know, we, we, we talked about it a little bit before the podcast that, you know, um, Nate Duncan in the dunk down podcast, not, none of them had J- Jalen Brunson or Julius Randall included. Um, but, you know, then you look at the TNT um, group when uh, the Knicks were playing the other night, both had, um, they both, all of them included uh, Julius Randle and two or three also included Jalen Brunson. So, you know, I, I think it's a toss up. Like, I, I think it could go either way. And, and you know, it, it's going to come down to who the coach is like. And I feel like, you know, now that I'm talking it out, like, I think coaches really like Jalen Brunson as well. So, you know, I think there there is a possibility for two. There's a possibility for one. There's a possibility for none. And I have no idea which direction it goes. So, yeah, I, I saw you took the under as well on zero all-stars. Would you change that bet if you could right now? Um, it's a toss-up right now. I I would take – so, uh, well, man. I'll put it to you this way, Kenny. What do you think is more likely right now, zero all-stars or two? I think two might be more likely just because – I think the coaches really like Jalen Brunson. And I think Julius Randle has a lot going for him right now in terms of buzz. So I think that is the more likely. So I guess I I, I would I would switch yeah. to the over based I, on I think that. that's that's my rationale too. Um but I mean by no means a lock. And look, the fact that we're even talking about two all-stars on this team is pretty wild. Um, you know, it is the the seventh team in the east. But if you're if you're going by like net rating, the Knicks are tenth in the entire league. So it's a top ten team in net rating, um, which is awfully impressive. Like the East is just very good. 
Uh, the Knicks have lost some close games, which I think goes to that, you know, the highly positive net rating and the record maybe not entirely reflecting that. But, I mean, they're, they've been, I think, better than I expected. And um, and the, the top-end talent, Randall and Brunson, have been better than I expected too. So, um, yeah, it looks like we're, we're both potentially going to eat crow there. We'll see. Uh, this next one is the one I was probably most wrong on. The category is team offensive rank. So we're looking at like offensive rating, points per 100 possessions. Where will the Knicks offense rank league-wide? I set the line at 15 and a half. So I just thought, will this team have a league average offense? And I took the under, meaning I thought they were going to be worse. I know there's a little ambiguity with the language there. I said under 15 and a half, meaning worse than 15 and a half, that they would not be league average. They're currently eighth. <laughs> They're eighth in offensive rating, um, which is it's pretty, pretty wild. I, I mean, especially when you watch this team night in and night out, like you don't think, oh, they're they're like running a bunch of you know, beautiful offense that they're, I think they're last in assist percentage. Let me check. They're dead last in, in assist percentage. So it's not like this team is just like, you know, to put it in Clyde's words, dishing and swishing. They're somehow just scoring a great deal of points night in and night out a top eight offense. Um, And I don't think there's any reason to believe it's going to drop below 15 at any point this season. Yeah. And I, I said the Knicks would be better than, um, league league average or did we say just above league average yeah and you know i think um you know a lot of it has to do with just how much jalen brunson is as a point guard than anyone that we've had recently and like that is just such a difference and you know i i just you know i'm not that surprised like i think eight is a little higher than i would have guessed i would have you know if you had asked me i would have guessed probably like 11 10 maybe um, just because I think recently in particular, they've been pretty good offensively and not as good defensively within the last, you know, couple weeks. Um, but, you know, Julius Randle has been phenomenal offensively. Uh, Jalen Brunson throughout the season has been very good offensively. And, you know, we just mentioned the RJ Barrett also averaging over 20 points. So, and those are all guys who aren't, you know, they're not getting a lot of their points set up for them. Like Julius Randle is a guy who is getting his own points. Jalen Brunson is surprisingly a guy who gets his own points in a very different way than uh, Randle and RJ. And RJ is another guy who, you know, a lot of his points come on on the drive. So, you know, I think in that way, it makes sense that they, they're not getting as many assists, but they're getting, you know, a bunch of, they're, they're still doing very well offensively. Yeah. And I think a huge part of it has been, uh, you know, a very, Thibodeauian reason is that they win the possession game so much. This is a team that is top three in offensive rebounding. Even with Mitch out, they maintained very good offensive rebounding rates with Sims and Jared and um, Isaiah Hartenstein, both good offensive rebounders. So they get a lot of second chances and they also don't turn the ball over. They have the fourth best turnover rate this year. So even though they're not, like maybe their their half court offense isn't, you know, the war prime Golden State Warriors. They're getting a lot of second chances. They're not turning the ball over, and so that that helps. That goes a long way. Um, and I, I want to say they're still like not shooting the ball that great from three. Uh, I don't I don't have 
I can, I can pull that up real quick though. Um, just eye test wise, I feel like, let's see. The Knicks are 24th in three point shooting. Pretty bad for a team that's top 10 in, in offensive rating, you know? So even though they're missing kind of a lot of shots, they are getting a lot of those, uh, those putbacks and things like that. So um, yeah, so I was definitely one wrong. last thing to just be sure. One last thing to just be aware of is like, this is a pretty big jump. Like last year, I think they were 23rd in offensive rating. And even two years ago when they were very good, you know, I think that it looks like they were 22nd in offensive rating. So, and Part of that is they played a very slow game, and we talked about you know them picking up the, the pace. But again, the biggest difference is that Jalen Brunson is a guy who can get his own shot, and he takes a lot of pressure off of both R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle, and takes you know takes some of the defense away from those guys who are both very strong and very capable of getting their own shots. Yeah, no question. Brunson's been huge in that, and I think that since we've been you know praising the offense we should probably talk a little bit more about the uh, the defense too. Um, I believe they are 20, no, I'm sorry, they're 17th right now in defensive rating. Um, and that's, that's worse than I would have expected. We don't have an over-under for defensive rating here, but I would have thought coming into the season that this was potentially even a top 10 defense. Or maybe that's a little, I would have thought better than average for sure. Um, and I think that they have the personnel to, especially when Mitch comes back, I'd expect this number to to jump up a little bit in the, in the last third of the season. Um, I would expect them to finish better than league average in defense. What do you think? Yeah, it, it looks like they're actually tied for league average with Denver, Golden State, and New York are all at 113.4 for defensive reading. So like kind of right around league uh, average and, you know, not far off Washington Wizards who that 14. But I, I absolutely agree with that. And like I said, I think they've been struggling defensively a little bit more recently. Um, but I, too, would have expected this to be probably a top 10 defense. And, you know, I think as the season shakes out, it's not unfathomable that they could get up into the top 10. Although, you know, like I said, they're, they do have a much tougher strength of schedule for the rest of the season. You know, I, I think that this could be, you know, they have the tools to be a top 10 defense. And, you know, the the numbers could end up there by the end of the season. All right. Well, I think I said that the team's offensive rank was the, my, my worst prediction. Um, but I was wrong because this next one is my worst prediction. The category is Obi Toppin minutes per game. I set the line. I'll, at- <laughs> I'll say that uh, when you said you thought it was your worst uh, prediction before the offensive rating one. I thought you were talking about this because I didn't have the list in front of me. And I was like, oh, he's talking about his OB OB, uh, top and minutes prediction. Yeah, I I set the line at 20 minutes per game. Um, I just, I really thought that this was going to be the year that we saw more OB. We were coming off a year where where Julius Randle was was quite bad. And I just, you know, I saw the season playing out a little differently. Toppin is averaging 15.4 minutes per game. Um, he he came back from injury, from a patella injury, and struggled initially, but in this past week, he actually had some very good games. But even in those games, he was only playing like 10 to 12 minutes. Um, 
which I know was maddening for some fans. And I actually get that. Like, you know, when there's the whole earn your minutes mantra and, and Obi's playing as well as he did in those, in those couple of games, he was shooting the ball really well. He was very confident making quick decisions. He was getting out and running, getting uh fast break opportunities, which at the beginning of the season was actually pretty commonplace. We mentioned the, the pace increasing, but that has really tapered off in recent, in recent weeks. And so Obi kind of injecting that back into this team, I thought was, was very exciting. I do think he deserves more than 15 minutes per game, particularly when he's hitting his threes, which he has been lately. Um, But, you know, he does, he does take away on the defensive end. There's no question about that. He's, he's worse than Randall on the defensive end. And that's saying something because it's not like Randall's some defensive stalwart, but Randall's defensive, his rebounding is huge. You know, and and Obi Toppin's not that caliber of rebounder in any way, shape, or form. So it's kind of a bummer because again, this is the guy we took with like the was the eighth overall pick a few years ago. Uh, we invested a lot in him, took him over some very good players who we knew were going to be very good. And I just kind of wanted to see more of an opportunity for him. But with this roster, with this coach, it doesn't seem to be available to him. And so I don't know. At this point, I'm like kind of open to moving on from the Obi Toppin experience, but maybe that's just, that's only if a team would be willing to like gamble and maybe over, I don't want to say overpay, but like give up something real for Obi Toppin. Maybe his production wouldn't even warrant that in the open market. So if that's the case, then you just hold on to him and, and just see what kind of happens. But you know, 15 minutes a game for your lottery pick. It's a tough look and it's been kind of a bummer. I feel like the, I feel like Obi Toppin has been kind of the biggest bummer of the season so far in a, in a, during a season where there's been mostly like positive vibes and I feel mostly good about it. Yeah. And I, I tried to warn you and I think the reasoning is largely the same as it was at the beginning of the season, which is Obi Toppin and Julius Randall are really not going to play that many minutes together. So it would be tough because Julius Randle is currently, I think, third in minutes per game, and he just doesn't miss games. Uh, so it would be tough for Obi Toppin to crack that without uh, a Julius Randle injury. Um, and, you know, I'm with you. I think it's, I think we were kind of open-eyed going into that draft pick. When it was made, I think we knew it was kind of a odd selection because our best player was, you know, Probably Julius Randle at that point still. It might have been Marcus Morris, but <laughs> either either way, that was the and that was when we had an entire team of power forwards, and uh, Obi Toppin was only really capable of playing power forward. And I think, like, like you mentioned, I think um, I had really wanted Tyrese Halliburton. I know you liked Halliburton. You also liked Devin Vassell. Um, who else? Was, I think there was one other person that we had. Maxi was another guy we liked. Um, yes. So those were those were all guys that we kind of wanted in that spot, and I thought would have been you know better positioned on that roster. Um, but you know, like even at this point, um, you know, I know I know you talked about how uh, Obi played pretty well in a few of these games, but like right after the he came back from his injury, he had a few very bad games that made him look almost unwatchable. Um, but you know, we'll see how things shake out because I think that has kind of been his thing, like. He's been a little bit up and down. There's been times when he looks, you know, when he's hitting his three, it's a completely different game. When he's not hitting his three, it's it's tough to watch. And, like, particularly right now, as you mentioned, the rebounding thing, without Mitchell Robinson on the court to clean up 
like rebounds, the Knicks have struggled on the boards. And so, you know, I just don't see them taking Julius Randle out when just to give Ovi top and more minutes when he's not a particularly good rebounder for his position. Yeah. And, you know, Isaiah Hartenstein also not a great defensive rebounder either. So that's who Obi Toppin's getting a lot of minutes with. And those two together, it's, it's not, it's not going to work, but no, I mean, and, and you said it though, that when he first came back from injury, he didn't play well, but you have to cut him some slack. He was coming back from a real injury. You know what I mean? Like he, that was a real injury to his knee and he's a guy who relies a great deal on athleticism. So if he doesn't have that burst, then that's going to really affect his game. And it did. Um, but yeah, I know against Toronto and another tough loss at Toronto, he hit four of five threes, I think all in the first half and only played 10 and a half minutes. He just got like 30 seconds or like a minute in the second half. It was kind of crazy. Um, and then against Cleveland, in a very nice win, he was four or six from the field, hit two or three from deep, 11 points in 10 minutes. And like that's, that's good production. And, you know, the team was, was very positive when he was in, he was there plus 12 during his minutes against Cleveland. They're plus 19 in his minutes against Boston. Um, a lot of that's because he was sharing those minutes with Emmanuel quickly, who has been awesome. We don't, we don't have any preseason predictions about quickly, but we might want to talk about them uh, for a minute, but we got to get through these. So the next category here was Jalen Brunson assist per game. We set the line at six, which again, I think is a, is a good line. Um, let's see here. Currently Brunson is averaging 6.2 assists per game. So that's, that's right on. Um, I took the under, I thought he was gonna be just like a tick under and you know, I don't think that's a bad guess. I think that Julius Randall has been upping his assists lately. If you look at the last 10 games, Brunson's averaging five assists per game. You look at the last 15 games, Brunson's averaging 5.4. So, you know, I can see that continuing for the rest of the season and him falling just a, a little bit below six, but um, that's not an indictment of him necessarily. I think there are conversations to be had about all of the Knicks big three. That's Brunson, RJ, and Randall getting some tunnel vision sometimes. Um, Benji Ridholtz of Knicks Film School talks a lot about how the the Knicks top scorers t- often take what he calls the first available floater. Um, they they penetrate the defense and just take the first open look that they get because they're all good at taking floaters. Like RJ's gotten good at it. Randall's good in the paint. Brunson is elite in the paint. But there are opportunities to drive and kick and potentially get even better looks, you know, then attack a scrambling defense and get a a more open floater, take a three, like there are better value shots later in the shot clock than taking the first available floater. And, and Brunson is, is guilty of that too. Um, I, I don't want to sit here and I'm not trying to crush Brunson in any way, shape or form. It's just, I, I do think that he could distribute, like find a balance maybe a little bit more on the distribution side early in the shot clock and trust that he can get the ball back later in the shot clock to finish plays. Um, but yeah, he's sitting at 6.2 assists per game. Um, I, I'm pretty happy with my under right now, but again, just a tick under that's fine. Yeah. And I, I also took the under as the resident uh, Jalen Brunson expert. Um, I, I believe I said, you know, he's a guy that makes the right plays. He's not a guy who's, you know, out there uh, trying to, 
get every assist possible. He's not you know, the number one passer, but he, and, and I think there's a lot of times we look at you know, the, the hockey assist or something like that. Um, but I'm also not going to stand for your slander of Jalen Brunson either. Uh, Cause I think uh, one of the things you mentioned earlier in the podcast is one of the uh, issues with, the reason that the Knicks take so many of those floaters is that they're just not shooting well from three right now. And, you know, they, there aren't a lot of three point threats. You know, I think we have Emmanuel quickly and, you know, I don't know how many catch and three shoot shots he gets, but um, him and, and uh, he gets about three a game or like three a game. I just looked this up and actually to your point, Brunson has been far and away our best catch and shoot three point shooter. And, I'd like to see some more of that. Like, cause he only does it once or twice a game, but he's hitting like 46% on catch and shoot threes, which is nuts. And it's like, you know, I'm not saying I want him off ball. He's great on the ball, but you know, drive, kick, relocate. Like they're, they're just opportunities for, the, for there to be more movement, more passing and opportunities to get the assist percentage up on this team. Cause like dead last, with a top 10 offense. Like, I don't know how sustainable that is. Do you know what I mean? Like it requires a lot of very tough shot making Brunson's a tough shot maker. I don't know if I trust all the other guys to hit as many tough shots as they currently are. And so I think that like some more drive and kick, get Brunson, you know, off the ball, have him hit. I mean, 46% on catch and shoot threes is elite and by far the best on the team. So um, I'd like to see him be able to do have more opportunities to do that. Yeah, and I think I think that's just the problem right now is that the Knicks aren't outside of you know you you saying Brunson is is number one on the team like outside of that I don't know how many people are shooting well and I know particularly recently and he's gotten you know a lot of flack for um, Grimes has been missing a lot of very open catch and shoot threes so like there have been opportunities and there's been been a little bit of that going on so you know I think it's like you said I don't know how much they will continue to make tough shots, but I also don't know how much they will continue to miss, you know, open catch and shoot threes. Um, so I think that that might end up evening out, but I agree with your point on um, you know, where Brunson ends up at the end of the season. Cause I think, like you said, Julius Randall has really stepped up his game. And because of that, he is getting, you know, a little bit more um, of the ball handling responsibilities and Jalen Brunson has gone down just a little bit of, uh, on that, but he also, um, in the last 14, 15 games, Brunson's really picked up the scoring and has, has been a little lower on the assists numbers. So, you know, I feel good about taking the under on six. I don't expect it to be a ton under, but I think he's he's going to be right there around that uh, that line that you said. All right, and these last three categories are all more big picture. Um, the line for the category regular season wins, we actually bumped the line up a little bit from the Vegas line. Um, we set it at 39 and a half. Um, and I think everyone took the over here and we have to all be feeling good about that. Right. I mean, I feel good about it. I, uh, I actually made the bet, um, on one of these gambling sites. So I am, I'm not cashing in. I'm waiting that one out to see what happens, but I feel good about it. Yes. Okay. I mean, is there a chance that they fall on? I mean, anything can happen. Injuries happen. Like, you know, it's not a lock at this point, but it would be pretty surprising if they. Yeah. And like, like we, like we said, they, they have the second best strength of schedule uh, coming up for the rest of the season. So like, it's a possibility they fall, but like they just beat 
you know, the Cavs, they just beat the, the Celtics. Like they're capable of beating good teams. And, you know, I think they, they continue to, to do that throughout the season. All right, this next category we had finish in the East. What place would they finish in the East? We set the line at eight and a half. So the question was pretty much, would they be like a traditional top eight playoff team or would they be, would they sneak into the playoff or to the uh, play-in games as a nine or 10 seed? And from what I can, from what I see here, everyone thought that they were going to be a nine or 10 seed um, unless they misunderstood the prompt of the under. Uh, but I know I thought they were going to be like the ninth seed in the East, uh, heading yeah. into heading into the the playoffs or at the end, finish the regular season. Um, you know they're seventh now. I think that the, the Hawks have been surging lately, so there's a chance that you know that the Hawks surpass the Knicks. Um, but you know below that you're looking at the Pacers, the Wizards, the Bulls, the Raptors. Sure, some of those teams have beaten the Knicks recently, but I don't know that any of them are going to like push New York out of the eight spot. I, I don't know. I, I feel pretty good about the Knicks being top eight at this point. So I think I would flip my my prediction there if I could. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's again, it's a good line. I think that that is right where they end up. Um, I, they have it looks like a three game lead on the Pacers, which is by no means unsurmountable for the nine seed. Um, I feel pretty good about where I said it. So I think, you know, nine or 10 is where they end up in my estimation. Again, I think they end up right around that 500 mark, give or take a game or three. Um, so, you know, I expect that to be right there, right at that, right at that line. I mean, if they finish three games below 500, I, I do think there'd be a little disappointment there, but you know, I don't even know if that would get them into the, well, it might get them into the play in, but I guess we'll see. It's, it's, it's really tight down there with Chicago and, and Washington. Um, it, it's funny seeing the Raptors at sitting at 12th because they seem to have our number a little bit. Like they, they just look pretty good. Every time we play them, Fred Van Vliet goes off and then you look at his season long stats it's like, where did that even come from? Why is he putting up 30 night after night against New York, but like having the worst true shooting percentage in the league against everyone else? Pretty maddening. Um, but no, it's, it's funny seeing Toronto all the way down there because they they have the talent. Um, so you would think, I don't know if you, uh, not to plug another podcast, but Chris Vernon was on the Ringer NBA show. And he was just going off about how people talk about OG Ananobi and all these like all these players on Toronto, like how much value they all have. Gary Trent Jr. like in trades, he's like, if they actually have this much value, why aren't they good? Like what these players, OG Ananobi is going to get three first round picks in a trade. Like if he's so good, he's the fourth best player, third best player in Toronto. If he's that good, why does this team suck? So I, I don't know. I thought it was funny. It's kind of a fair question. Um, and yeah, hopefully the Raptors stay down there. Cause I don't want to see them. I think, I think we only have like one more game against them for the rest of the year. Um, we might be done with them. We played them a lot very yeah. quickly. I think I we played right. them like four times in a month. No, no, we're done. We're, yeah. we're done with Toronto. Good call. Um, glad to, glad to see that. And then the last category here, playoff or play in wins. 
So this this included just if you win one play-in game, that that counts towards this category. The line was set at 0.5. Everyone took the over here. Um, we all expected at least one playoff or play-in win. Untrue. It looks like BBD and Jake both took the oh, over. Oh, my bad. You and I took the mm-hmm. over. <laughs> As did Greg. And so I think that yeah, that is a very fine line that we thread because we said we would be under the eight and a half seed. So it would be nine or ten and we would win one game. So we really thread that needle. It's a very specific prediction. Yeah. <laughs> would you change it? Uh, no. I Because uh, one game, anything can happen, and I'm going to take the optimistic side, and I think that they're, they're going to be in a playing game. So that that fits for, for my MO. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. All right, man. I mean, that, that, that takes us through the preseason predictions. Um, I don't know. Are you happy with your predictions? Uh, overall, I'm pretty happy. I think, uh, you know, I think there's a couple that likely will be wrong, but I think I got most of them right. And I, uh, I don't remember for sure, but I also think that I had the most correct predictions last season. Um, yep. Yep. You did. So I, what we're learning is that I am the master of, I'm, I'm, I'm just the smartest person here. Smartest person in the room. Tom. So he's the smartest person in the room. Um, I mean, is there anything else we want to cover here? I guess we could look forward a little bit. I do want to give a little love to Emmanuel quickly. Um, just cause I feel like he's been so solid recently. I just tweeted out some stats in his last 15 games. In his last 15 games played, quickly is averaging 17.3 points, five boards, three assists, less than one turnover a game in 34 minutes per game. He's shooting 58% on twos, nearly 38% on threes, and 43% on catch and shoot threes. Um, he's got the highest plus minus on the team. He's the best help defender on the team, especially as a, as a perimeter guy. He's incredible. I, I just want to give a lot of love to quickly. I think that I've heard a little rumblings, some from like Nick, the Knicks film school podcast that he deserves some sixth man of the year uh, consideration. And if he keeps up this level of play, I think he's going to have a really strong case. Yeah. And I think it's a similar situation uh, to kind of um, what happened with Randall when he, when Jalen Brunson went down, I think they both stepped up big time. And I think, you know, for both of them, it's carried through to now that Brunson is back, they're both still playing very well. Uh, and obviously, you know, he's, he has been, in my opinion, the next best shooter all season. Um, and hopefully that can, that can continue. Yeah. And I, I think that, again, this is another something I tweeted, but he's just been so, so good both on the ball as the lead ball handler, but also off ball as a spot up guy. I mentioned his catch and shoot numbers, but there are only six players in a league this season who are ranking in the 80th percentile in efficiency when they finish plays as the pick and roll ball handler and as a spot up shooter. So 80th percentile as both pick and roll ball handler and on spot ups, those players are Durant, Steph Curry, Paul George, Norman Powell. 
Spencer Dinwiddie and Emmanuel quickly. So that just kind of shows a, I mean, it's a very strange group <laughs> at the bottom there, but um, that's with a minimum of a hundred possessions of each play type. Pretty impressive. Like that's, that's a good group that you'd want to be a part of, I think, especially as a sixth man. So quickly, he's just been so versatile. I've been very impressed with him on the offensive end. And uh, yeah, I'd love to see him keep this up. I think he's been our best young guy. I think our most valuable young guy. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big quickly fan. You know that. So I just want to give him some love before he moved on to what's coming up. Um, anyone you want to shout out, Kenny? Uh, maybe, maybe it's Tibbs. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's Tibbs. Maybe it's the front office before. I think we'll we'll do one more pod before the trade deadline, right? Um, when is um maybe even more than more than one trade deadline is February 9th to Tuesday. So um yeah, we can do a trade deadline pod next week. So any anyone else you want to to shout out or highlight? Yeah, man. I don't I don't know if there's anyone I really want to highlight, but I I want to you know I have been the big. Tibbs defender all season. And I think that it remains the case that like, I don't know what people want. Cause like you see, like I still see people talking about like Tibbs was great for when this team was, you know, coming off of some of their worst seasons. Cause he's got a very regimented thing, but that also like puts a limit on how good they can be because he's so regimented. And it's just like, how good did you expect this team to be? Like coming into the season, they had a 37 and a half, uh line on them to win uh, for for wins so like i don't know what people want um but i think that you know uh, despite you know his his inability to or inflexibility um you know i think that he has done an admirable job and i even when things weren't going well like i was very uh, against the the people who wanted to have him replaced and i remain on that boat because i think he is doing with this with this roster what you would expect this roster to do and probably even doing a little better than um you know expectations going into the season so shout out you tips yeah i think that the one area that i is totally fair to criticize him has been with the late game offenses completely bogging down um you know the, the Knicks, they go they go away from their normal offense uh, it happened against Boston with five minutes remaining. They started getting into their offense much later. They started um, they started just running one action. It was just a single pick and roll between Randall and Brunson. Earlier in the game, you still get your ISOs. You still get your pick and rolls with Randall and Brunson, but it's earlier in the shot clock. There's more opportunities for driving kicks. There's more opportunities to just have a defensive breakdown. Um, and time and time again, we're seeing late game offenses stall. We're seeing comebacks happen because of it. And I, I do think that, you know, part of that's on tips. Like he, he's the one calling the plays. He's the one who he can, he can change it up if he wanted to, if he wanted to call a different play, he would do that. And so I think we're going to need to, and he even admitted that much actually get, I mean, giving Tibbs credit, um, after that Boston game, he, he was the first, he owned it. He said, our offense is too slow. Like we're getting into it too late and it's not giving us the, the opportunities that we need. Um, you know, we're getting too late in the shot clock and, and we need a bailout. Like it's, he, he recognizes it. So hopefully we see some changes going forward during crunch time offense. Cause it's gotten a little ugly. Yeah. And I'm not, I am also not as critical on Tibbs on that. Cause I think, I think, a lot of people would agree that for 
you know, a decent portion of the season, the next biggest problem down the stretch was free throw shooting. And like, that has nothing to do with Tibbs. It's like they had the opportunity to win a bunch of these games. They missed a bunch of free throws down the stretch several times. And like Tibbs has nothing to do with what people do on the free throw line. So like, well, I agree that, that they're like, I don't know, even that aside, like you just look at the process of it and it's, I mean, I mean you just watch it. Like you, you see I that mean, the offense bogs down and like they play not to lose instead of playing to like score. It's um, I mean, Tibbs owned it himself. I think it's okay. It's fair to criticize him for something like that. And I mean, I was, that's exactly what I was going to say until you cut me off. As I was going to say, I agree that, you know, there can be changes, but like, I'm not as critical as everyone else is. Cause like the Knicks, there are like four or five wins that the Knicks could have extra wins that the Knicks could have if they made, made some free throws down the stretch. And you know that has nothing to do with, with Tibbs. So like no, at, some, at some point there is a certain amount of, you know, execution that is required from the players that, you know, the, the coach isn't responsible for. I'd never blame Tibbs for free throw shooting. No, no question about that. Um, moving forward to the next few games this upcoming week, we've got Tuesday at home against the Lakers. That's going to be a, probably a pretty pissed off LeBron James. Um, I believe that he's resting a game in between. Yeah, there is a back-to-back with yeah. the Lakers have uh, Brooklyn, and then they have the Knicks, and both a- Anthony Davis and LeBron James are taking off the Brooklyn game. So, you know, I mean, to be fair, uh, when the Knicks played Boston, they were coming off a game where they just rested, like, everybody. I mean, they I think they rested all their best players. So it's – you know, that doesn't mean necessarily anything. Like even if LeBron and AD come back rested, um, I actually still like the Knicks chances in this one. Um, but we can make our predictions in a second on Thursday. We've got again at home, we've got a little homestand here at home versus the Miami heat who, as I mentioned, are just one game ahead of the Knicks in the standings. So that's a big one. And then, Saturday and Sunday, we've got back-to-back games at home against the Clippers and then the Sixers. Those are good teams. Those are definitely good teams. Um, none of the four here are guaranteed wins by any stretch. These are, these are to your point, it's a very solid upcoming schedule. Um, I still like the Knicks against the Lakers. And... I could see them winning one of the the next three there. So I'm I'm thinking like a two and two week is is in the cards. How are you feeling? Yeah, I mean I wasn't I I, I am not as you know sold on definitely beating the Lakers, but like I think they can beat two of those four teams. Uh so I, I'm I'm I can go two and two. Also worth noting that uh, LeBron James just needs 116 points in their game on Tuesday to pass Kareem Abdul Jabbar for most points scored and he loves playing at the garden. So, you know, strap in, see what happens. (laughs) That would be, that would be something. Um, To to be clear, it's a joke guys. Don't, don't clip this and post that I am predicting LeBron James to score 116 points unless he does. And then come back here and cut out this part and post the other part. It's gonna be a lot of editing. BBD's gonna have his work cut out for him. (laughs) Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Clippers have won five in a row. And just looking at Kawhi's stat lines recently, 
they've been pretty insane. Like he's scoring an efficient 30 every night. He's starting to play. Like I think he's played nine of their last 10 games and uh, he's looking like a monster. Yeah. So he's very good. And I think Philly is the hottest team in the league right now. I think they're seven in a row. They've won. Is that right? Yeah. Seven in a row. So that's, that's a tough break for us is it looks like the two hottest teams in the league. Yeah. But that's at the end of the week. So they've got a few games in between uh, now and then. So maybe they'll cool off. Who knows? Um, But two and two, and I think it might be a little optimistic two and two, and that's fine. I I think these are, this is really good competition. They're all at home. This is uh, the Knicks have not played as well um, at home this season, which is a bit of a bummer. They are currently, 12 and 13 at home, which, which is pretty bad um, to find another team below 500 at home in the Eastern conference. You'd have to go all the way down to the Charlotte Hornets at 14. Pretty rough. Even, even the magic at 13 or 500 at home, but the Knicks are 15 and 11 away, which that's pretty awesome. Um, very good away team struggle at MSG a little bit. Uh, hopefully they can flip the script this week. Hold on. I'm just looking here and it looks like there is only one team. No, two teams in the Western conference that are above 500 away from home, which is wild. And the Knicks are, are they're in the Eastern conference, but there's more good teams in the Eastern conference. So it doesn't apply. Uh, but two teams in the West. It's wild. And also two teams in the West below 500 at home. Hmm. So that's the kind of good and bad situation you got going there. (laughs) Again, hopefully they flip the script here. Kenny, real quick, we can do America's favorite sub podcast, and that's what else is on. Uh, Beyond the Knicks, what else have you been watching? What else have I been watching? I I am a fan of a TV show called Psych. It was on you know, 10 years ago on USA Network. And uh, I have been rewatching that and it's, you know, still delightful. Uh, I probably rewatched it at some other point when we've done this podcast, maybe a few years ago. Uh, But it's basically, you know, it's a funny detective who just makes references to like TV shows and movies the entire time, which is very much my, my speed. So So been watching that. It holds up. Yeah, holds up. I've been watching that, been enjoying that. And then, you know, here or there, uh, I've been watching some some movies. Um, I just watched uh, Project Power, which um, apparently I saw previously because I remembered like halfway through and apparently <laughs> didn't make that much of an impression then, but it was fine. It's fine. It's like a superhero movie? Uh, it's like, um, it's kind of like Limitless. In that there's like this pill that gives you powers, except the powers are like superpowers. Um, A lot of famous people, um, maybe not a lot, but uh, Joseph Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in it, along with Jamie Foxx. So two two big names in there. And uh, somehow I didn't remember it for like half of it. So yeah, your boy. Take that as you will. What was that? I said your boy Machine Gun Kelly's in there. I, uh, now that you mention it, I suppose that was him. I wouldn't have realized that had you not just told me, but, uh, yeah. So no need to go watch that, but go watch psych it's on Amazon or 
also peacock potentially uh something like that what about you tom what's going on um so my wife and i watched season three of jack ryan on amazon prime starring john krasinski i also just watched that you did yeah within like the last week but i forgot about it fair to forget about it i'm not saying it's like bad because it's it's totally entertaining but i don't know about you but i never know what's going on like i don't watch it with subtitles i think that might help a great deal because you know there are a lot of of names of like russian you know politicians and it, it can be hard to decipher who is who and who they're talking about there's a lot of espionage a lot of you know do you trust this person are they a traitor is this you know um treason a lot of treason going on Oftentimes, I, Rose and I will look at each other and be like, did you catch that? And we'll just be like, no. And then just keep on going. Just plow through it. And it's still kind of a pleasant watch. It's, it's still like a fun kind of spy thriller. And you don't have to totally know what's going on. And that's fine for me. Yeah. And I uh, I didn't mean I forgot about it like it was a bad show. Because like I I do I didn't enjoy it. I, I did enjoy it. No, I didn't enjoy it. I did enjoy it. And I, I kind of... Um, there there's those kind of shows that i enjoy the the spy shows i i followed everything which again once again proves i'm the smartest guy in the room um <laughs> but no i it's it's a, it's like a it's jack ryan you know it's it's a known thing it's like a james bond type thing it's like good action some some entertainment um but you know it's maybe not the most deep show that i've ever seen but it's Good entertainment. Yeah, I feel like the motivations can be a little confusing for for some of the characters, but you know, it's it is what it is. It's a fine it's a fine program. You put it on. It's it's a Michael Bay executive produced thing, so a lot of stuff blows up, and you know, you can shut your brain off. I think that might be what I do is I shut my brain off, and maybe that's why I'm not exactly following it all. But it was still fun. It's a fun program um not gonna change your life but and i'll say i i came off of uh i i watched that not too long after watching the recruit which was another like cia um spy tv show on netflix uh and i think you know it's fine again um but i thought that jack ryan was better it's more again for me it's just it's entertaining like it's not i'm not going to go back and watch it again ever but it entertained me the first time and that's my goal with any tv show yeah and then recently they uh they announced all the nominations for the academy awards the oscars this year and uh there's a bunch of movies i have not seen so i'm definitely gonna try and catch some of these um kenny there's one about the multiverse called everything everywhere all at once that i think is the favorite to win have you seen that uh, I have not seen it. Uh, I think, I don't know if it was you or Greg has a theory about um, Academy Award movies that it's just like not movies that they make for real people. It's movies that they make to win awards. And so I don't seek out those movies. Well, I think this year they have a decent mix. Like one of them is Top Gun Maverick was nominated for Best Picture. Like that good was entertainment. That was fun. Um, Avatar Way of Water also nominated. I think tons of people saw that. I didn't, but you know there. there there's some real blockbusters on this list elvis that biopic about elvis didn't 
I didn't really do it for me. I, I didn't, again, didn't see it, but you know, the, the trailer wasn't that in, intriguing. I'm not a huge Elvis guy. Like I don't listen to his music. I don't seek it out. Um, we're late enough in the podcast. I don't think anyone's got, you know, flame me for bashing Elvis, but uh, what's the big deal? Uh, so are you an Elvis guy, Kenny? I am aware of Elvis as a person. I, I have heard some of his songs and will occasionally listen to an Elvis song if it is on, but uh, I have no strong feelings for the gentleman one way or another. Yeah. So those, I don't know. I'm going to try and watch a couple of these just to get a sense of it. Um, our friends, Jim and Sue's really enjoyed the movie triangle of sadness. Doesn't sound like my kind of movie. It's a comedy. <laughs> it's a dark, Maybe it is a dark comedy. Um, so that's another one on my radar. Hopefully you're going to check that out. And that will be on uh, a different segment of what else is on. But we should uh, we should make our own what else is on awards. Yeah. To, com- to compete with the Oscars. I think the people would love it, but we are we're out of time over here, Kenny. We got to we got to wrap it up. Um, listen, if you're still listening to this, thank you. You can watch us on YouTube. Please subscribe, like, comment, all that stuff. Follow us, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all the stuff. We appreciate you guys. We're back talking Knicks. And hey, let's go Knicks. Stay.